where nobody knows your name is recorded in front of nobody. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name. I'm John. And I'm James. And James, I tell you what, great episode today. It is indeed. It's the 14th episode of season 4, 16th of January, 1986. Written by Tom Reader and directed, of course, by Jimmy B. James Burroughs. The episode title is Suspicion or is it? It is. It is. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And I tell you what, James, I tell you why I'm such high energy. It's not because I'm having a coffee. It's because this cold open is probably the most high energy cold open we've had since we started this podcast. Oh, a bit of dancing. A bit of dancing. There's a lot of dancing. We all need this kind of energy when we're feeling a bit tired. The setup is Carla is exhausted. She had a very long day or very long night. Those kids, isn't it? 300 of them. The Tortelli bunch. <laughs> I imagine it's like the sound of music but with more swearing and violence. More swearing than the sound of music. If you can imagine such a thing. But yeah, so Carla's exhausted and the way of uh, cheering her up, they put on some music. She goes crazy. It reminded me a bit of, have you seen Weekend at Bernie's? I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about the little known sequel, Weekend at Bernie's 2. But in that, Bernie gets like a curse, a voodoo curse put on him, where when he hears music, he starts dancing. Because obviously he's dead. And that's what happens to Carla. She becomes almost possessed by the music and is just dancing around cheers. Interestingly, there is two tracks. There was the original track, which was My Mind Is Gone by Lil Ed and the Blues Imperials. But in syndication, it is Shout by the Eiley Brothers. I'll tell you what, James, it doesn't matter because they're both going to be on the playlist that we've got out there. They are both on the playlist. I could tell you which song wouldn't work. Shout by Tears for Fears. Why not? It's just quite slow, isn't it? As all Tears for Fears are. <laughs> Just imagine Carla dancing to Everybody Wants to Rule the World. It wouldn't quite work. <laughs> On that note, let's dive into the main part of this episode. So what happens in this episode is uh, some studies, another psychological themed episode. And everyone's well suspicious, John, because <laughs> Diane's studying paranoia. Yeah, and uh, wow, does she question the sort of imagination of the bar? Yes, it was in regards to looking at people around the bar and making up stories about them in much the same way that people watching is. This happens in Paris, I've heard quite a lot. Not so much now, but people used to sit at cafes and look out at passers-by and think, uh, look at them on their way to get another coffee somewhere else, perhaps. There's actually a great word for it, sondering. Yeah, the verb to sonder. And it means when you have a sudden epiphany that a random stranger in your life has an equally vivid and complex life as your own. Isn't that a great word? Yeah, I mean, add it to our dictionary, because I've never heard of that. <laughs> Try to remember this. There's a film where, uh, I can't remember what film it is. There's two characters in there, like in a maternity ward kind of thing. And one of them saying, like, I'm going to guess whether they're having a boy or a girl. Then they go, well, how will you ever know if you're right and wrong? And they go, oh, I make up an answer whether I'm right or wrong as well. I've been right three times <laughs> and wrong twice. It sounds like a Phoebe line from Friends. Oh, it could be. It could be in Friends. That's kind of what Diane's getting at. She says that the gang should be doing that more. And don't they have any kind of imagination to make up stories about random strangers across the bar? <laughs> you haven't lived if you haven't made up stories about random strangers in a bar. What do you do with your time? Come on, Sam. And as part of this, they then become getting unnerved about a strange person in the bar. Yeah, I figured that that area of the bar is where the potential spies sit. <laughs> Every person who has come into the bar and has acted suspicious and might be a spy, that's their corner. 
Spy corner. Spy corner. Well, yeah, they're sitting in spy corner then, which means, of course, that the gang are going to suspect them of being spy. Oh, come on, man. Just because he looks like a spy and acts like a spy doesn't mean he is a spy, does it? I think it pretty much does. We all know that Cliff's definitely a spy. <laughs> so he's an expert on the matters, and he's the one who first suggests it. Woody hasn't been aware of the spy corner, because he's new in the bar. So he goes over to sort of scope out, and he thinks that his uh, country, charm. country charm will be able to coax this guy out of some information. But country charm apparently means going over and just sort of saying your life story and realizing your life wasn't that bright. Howdy. I'm Woody Boyd from Hanover, Indiana. That's the placemat capital of the world. <laughs> My mother's name's Margaret, and my father's name's Edgel. My favorite color's blue, and I saved all my baby teeth. How about you? Go away. We've talked briefly before about how Woody is almost like a Mark Twain character, backwards country boy. The things in his life which he at first found joyous and wonderful, I think he's starting to realize the comparison between his own life and others in the bar, particularly when he tries to impress this stranger. I don't even know if it's impressing. He just gives him lots of information and then says, and what about you? If that isn't how you greet people, I don't know what is. (laughs) The Woody Boyd Guide to Networking. (laughs) The gang become more and more suspicious. As the title of the episode would suggest, they gather in the women's bathroom to be less suspicious. There's quite a nice conversation there where they all kind of, they think that this guy might be a private detective. And they start questioning what one of them has maybe done. Honestly, I could have seen a whole episode just of that. What, like a bottle episode in the women's bathroom? And it's yeah, the first time we've seen the women's bathroom. I feel like it was just the men's, but we dressed a little bit. So yeah, it's an episode where tensions are flying. Title of the episode comes from a Hitchcock movie of the same name. This episode has similarities to The Boys in the Bar, The Spy Who Came In For A Cold One, and to some extent, The Heart Is A Lonely Snipe Hunter. Mm. What I quite liked about it was the sort of interning, especially a little bit on Woody, because for 13 episodes, we've just kind of taken his arrival at the bar as kind of unsuspicious. And Cliff kind of makes some quite good points where he's like, we don't even know this guy. He just came in, said that coach gave him a pen. Sam gave him a job. Nah, there's something up with this guy. What other suspicions are there? They say that it could be after Sam on like paternity basis. Yeah, after Norm and the IRS. And Cliff for mail fraud. Or being a spy. Could be both. Why not both? We know Cliff has got in legal trouble at some point. We know he definitely stole most of a hotel. (laughs) We know that he confronted Lewis the fragrance thief. We know that he let Norm do his postal rounds for him, which wasn't okay. I feel like you shouldn't be wearing the uniform all the time in a bar as well. Even on his days off, he's probably there in his uniform. After all of these flying accusations go around in the the women's toilets, the gang decide to just confront the mystery man himself. Before they do... They're going to beat him up, is what it (laughs) seems like. Yeah, Sam's going to kick him out. He says that he's disturbing the business. And Diane steps in and says, it's just a prank, man. No, it it was an experiment. It's different. It's an experiment. And I'm curious because for psychological experiments, you need, I would think, a control group. Also, there's three types of experiments. And I'm not sure which of these it was supposed to be. You know, the difference in the three types of psychological experiments are mostly dependent on how well you can control the variables. I think although she thinks it's an experiment, really it was just an excuse to mess with people's minds. (laughs) I'll I'll agree with that. The gang get a bit annoyed by that. The random stranger kind of goes, okay, and, and leaves. And this is only like halfway through the episode. He's like, you better get that janitor back. Why? To sweep up the fragments of your shattered minds. Oh, uh, that was good, James. Was sweeping up the fragments of shattered minds. We think the initial suspicion's over. No. 
because this sort of betrayal that Diane's done to the rest of the bar by using them as an experiment means that she is sure the gang will get back at her, and now she is incredibly suspicious. That's it, exactly. She's watching her step. Everything that happens, oh, she's very suspicious of, including Woody, sweet Woody, not suspicious Woody at all. He buys two delicious muffins, and he offers Diane one, and she... she has to make a Sophie's choice as to which is the correct muffin, because one of them might be poisoned. You know, this, this must be a really hard season for you, James, because not only have we seen a muffin get destroyed in this episode, we also saw cookies get destroyed earlier in this season. I'll tell you what, the writers of Cheers just hate baked goods. It's what it is. <laughs> they can't stand them. She says, don't you love the, the feel of warm muffins in the morning? As she's sort of breaking them up and gets caught breaking them all up. Shaking it all over the floor. And as I said, they need their janitor back. Where's Frasier when you need him? Well, he does come back, James, because Diane needs to confide in someone. Why not confide in the person who I jilted? That could go well. Essentially, she wants Frasier to go undercover and find out what they're planning. Yeah, but they know what Frasier looks like. (laughs) So, now that you've mentioned Frasier's return, shall we go through the character list? We got some great names lined up today. Hamilton Camp, which is a Great name. And perhaps, you know, somewhere where teens go during the summer to rehearse for musicals. The person with the name Hamilton Camp portrays Martin Gallagher. He also appeared in Bonanza, Starsky and Hutch, Three's Company, Trapper John MD, MASH, The Incredible Hulk, Hill Street Blues, Lois and Clark, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and many more. We've also got MC Ganey as Irving, he also appeared in Time After Time, Dynasty, Happy Days, The A-Team, Hunter, Matlock, Night Court, The Mighty Ducks, The French Prince of Bel-Air, Con Air, The X-Files, Terminator 3, CSI, Lost, ER, Justified, Django Unchained, and many more. There's Joseph Paz as Customer. He also appeared as Wilkins in Best of the West. As you alluded to, we also have Kelsey Grammer as Dr. Fraser Crane and Al Rosen as Al. And yeah, yeah. It's not not really an episode of Cheers without Al. I think you're correct, John. I think he waltzed in, said Sinatra. We speculate that he wasn't supposed to. <laughs> um, <laughs> but since then, he just won't stop showing up. With so many people in the bar, so many people to imagine stories about James, you can understand why Diane's getting so suspicious. Because she knows something's coming. And... One of these uh, fine actors approaches Diane with a cameraman and says, we've heard about you on the local poet circuit, but we're doing a TV show about local poets, local working poets, and we'd love to record you saying one of your poems in the bar where you work as a working poet. So she's at first excited, but then goes, "Uh, hang on, this might be this revenge that I've been suspicious of. And you know what they say about revenge? It is best served cold. The thing which I don't understand about her response to being filmed and thinking it's a prank is you would be more cautious about what you did if you thought it was going to be a prank. Do you know what I mean? Yes, you would figure if they're going to use it against me, I may as well just do something boring. Yeah, or, or be really cautious of if someone's coming up behind you or something like that. You wouldn't go, I'll give them great ammunition that they'll have on film forever. Yeah, and Diane's like, instead of putting myself out there, my poetry, so that they can embarrass me i've thought ahead i've got a cunning plan i'm just gonna do a chicken dance they won't be able to embarrass me that way i would like to begin with one of my favorites and i hope you'll like it too it's called ode to a cornish hen (laughs) 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 
So that makes no sense in my head. Can't place that together. But yeah, ultimately on the TV being broadcast to TVs everywhere is Diane doing a chicken impression. And of course the bar are watching. Yeah, because it wasn't a prank after all. I tell you what, John, if this episode has taught us anything, it's that suspicion is a dangerous game. Oh, sure it is. But uh, I tell you what's quite nice about it, and this is something that we touched on with Barry in, in last week's episode and the cold open of last week where Diane came in, wanted that Norm Cheers kind of entrance to the bar, is she, she just wanted them to get back at her for what she did to them. And the fact that they didn't, she took more sort of hurt towards And as they're all sort of, she's saying, I'm not one of the gang because you don't try and get back at me. I thought you'd get back at me like you would get back at one of yourselves. Turns out I'm not one of the gang. That's it, exactly. And that's sort of how it is similar to The Heart is a Lonely Snipe Hunter in the fact that Frasier finds solace and welcoming in the group by enacting that prankful revenge. Mm. And that's how after that they go, "Uh, you know what, Frasier, you're all right. This time she's upset. She's like, I did a chicken dance. And you didn't prank me. <laughs> Why didn't you prank me? And then she goes off to storm into Sam's office and she gets a bucket of water. Do you know what I thought they had actually done? Not to this extent, but I thought they had done like a tar and feather kind of thing to link her with the chicken dance. So I thought she was going to come out like covered in something like tar, not hot tar. Then I thought like Carla was going to throw a bucket of feathers at her. Didn't Coach litter the bar with feathers once? He did, yeah. And, and she's part of the gang. She loved it. You like me. You really like me. That's the trivia bell, James. And that means one thing, we've got some lovely trivia questions. I'm going to kick it off, James. What are some reasons why Carla didn't get much sleep? Two kids keeping her up all night and the neighbour's dog going into heat at 5am and working a double shift. Who's got the tick, tick, tick? you got them all, James. In the first exchange after the cold open, Sam reveals he dropped a bottle of cologne in his office. How much did the cologne cost? I want to say about $5, but I know it was cheap. You're not far off, because it was $2.50. What story does Woody claim to be writing when speculating on the stranger being a writer or a poet? I'm pretty sure, does he outline basically Huckleberry Finn? Yeah, something quite similar. It's a boy and his dog roam through the countryside, do good deeds and drink beer. (laughs) Which he says is his own story. Yeah, so wholesome. Frasier says to Diane that he got here as soon as he could. She said, I called your office hours ago. Why did it take him so long to get to the bar? He was in a different state, wasn't he? Yes, he was in Denver. In a similar thing about Frasier, when he arrives, he thinks Diane wants to ask him something. What has Frasier always dreamt of when he got Diane's call and when Diane reveals the truth? Or what does he claim to have always dreamt of? I assume getting back together, but I don't know. That was what he actually dreamt of. He claimed he was dreaming of Tuesday. Oh yeah, of course. (laughs) Because he said he was dreaming of today. What are the names of uh, Woody Boyd's parents? Margaret and Edgel. Yeah, and I've never heard of the name Edgel before. It's quite an old-fashioned name. I suppose so is Woodrow. What are some other facts? About Woody. His favourite colour is blue. Those are all true, but he's also saved all of his baby teeth. What's your stance on that? Do you think it's weird or do you think it's normal? I think save one baby tooth. I don't see why you need to save all of them. <laughs> you know, you're, you're not trying to build a replica, but you can have one as a memento if you like. I'm sure I've got a tooth somewhere in a box. No, I'm, I'm sure my parents have kept one of my baby teeth somewhere, but yeah, no, they don't have a mouthful. <laughs> What about you? How do you feel about keeping your own teeth? A bit weird. 
you know. But how do you get rid of them? You can't just put your teeth in the bin, I don't think. <laughs> that well-known proverb, you can't just put your teeth in the bin. <laughs> it means, you know, something which is so sentimental and a part of you, you can't throw it away as casually as that. There's wisdom in that, John. Uh, it wasn't really that. It was more like, how do you dispose of it? It's not like a phone where you can kind of, you have to go to a proper bin or like a, a battery bin. You can bury teeth. That just causes problems long term. When someone digs them up and it's like, something went down here. That is the final call at the bar, James. Which means one thing, we've got to pick a drink to represent this episode. Ooh, that is a interesting question. The mystery guy was just drinking coffee. Oh yes, and I think folding into what you said at the start of the episode, coffee's a good drink. <laughs> what a good descriptive word. It's a good drink, just like this episode, which was a good episode. Coffee is even mentioned in the theme to Cheers. Perhaps in the extended lyrics, if you know the line. And if you don't, go Google it. So should we say, James, two coffees? Two coffees. Lovely caffeine to sharpen our minds <laughs> against all of these people in the bar. We know they're up to something. And on that note, we'll raise our drinks and say, yeah. Uh, beware. <laughs> beware. <laughs> cheers to that, James. Thank you for listening to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast.